to the Warrior Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. Jen, how's it going? Is it common that the first thing people say on this podcast is, oh my God, I now feel I'm a warrior? (laughs) They don't say that, but I appreciate it. I mean, that was so inspiring. (laughs) That was like a chariots of fire. A little bit, a little bit. Um, Do you know, um, back in the day, do you know Berman Painter? No. Never heard that name? That's his voice. He's got like one of the sexiest voices Ah. I think I've ever heard. Did you... um, pay him to make your no he's thing? so nice he did it just out of the goodness of his heart but he did oh, uh the intro to um carl smith carl and i's original podcast bizcraft he did the intro to that too so oh my god a great voice just saying for the next podcast i make <laughs> calling this guy you should he'd probably do it for free <laughs> i haven't talked to him in a long time so he probably wouldn't do it for free anymore but no, that's how it goes how are you expensive. how am i um I don't know if this ever happens to Eugene, but sometimes I have to like literally look at my calendar and see where I just was and what happened this morning and where I'm going to figure <laughs> out. I, I realize that's like says a lot probably about my life. But um, today, this early February day, I am feeling pretty good. Last year was okay. hard, but yeah. and January lasted a long time. But early February at this point, I would say I am good slash on my way to be good. That's cool. I like how you took a second and thought about your answer. Most (laughs) people just give you the rhetorical, like, fine, whatever. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, and here we can just kind of jump on in, but I just said, like, last year was a challenging year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really want to have ketchup coffees with people. Oh, got you. A lot. Because it was like, I don't really want them to ask how I am. Right. Because... I could do one of two things. One mm-hmm. is I could be like, pretty good, busy. How's it going? Yep. Which is yep. very false and not me. Or yep. the other thing is it immediately begins like a therapy session, you know? And it's like, <laughs> I I just was like, I don't, I just want to have a normal like Tuesday. You know, I don't really well, want to do that. So I, I can be okay. socially, yeah, I kind of <laughs> moved it around a little bit. I don't know if that ever happens to you, but. Well, that is one of those questions like, hey, how's it going? It's like, you have to judge, like, do they, are they just, sending me words or are they like they want to know (laughs) yeah and i pretty much hemorrhage vulnerability so (laughs) so i i'm almost never the person who is that sunny there's actually a person that i'll just keep this as vague as possible there's a person in my neighborhood who whenever you see her she's like hi how are you i'm like i don't have time for you but yeah sometimes sometimes you don't have time for it Well, Jen, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while, and it's partly my fault because I keep having things happen and then things get moved. But I'm this is a testament to never giving up. (laughs) We are warriors. We have earned that intro. (laughs) Make it happen. Um, So I want to get right to it. I mean, we'll have a there'll be a little brief people can read and stuff. But um, Mm -hmm. you inspire me because you are doing your own thing. I mean, you've been running your own business. Mm-hmm. You're a coach. How would you describe the type of coach you are? Hmm. 
Well, I, there's no way I could do it for myself, but. Right. Well, I would take like kind of two tacks there. The first is what is your SEO coach term? Right? <laughs> so at some point <laughs> yeah. I put leadership right. coach on there right. because the truth was it, it wasn't fake. You know, I, I coach mostly yeah. leaders or emerging leaders. Um, so on the kind of one angle, I would say I'm a leadership coach. Yeah. And frankly, that really draws me because leaders are some of the people who don't have almost anybody to vent to sometimes and they need confidentiality. And so, for example, if you have to go fundraising for a gajillion dollars, it's not probably appropriate that you turn to your team and be like, God, I'm so nervous. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't you get might a lot need... of sleep last night. Yeah. Like, bro, we don't care. Exactly. Yeah. Whoops. Barely, barely learned my lines, you know. <laughs> yeah. So in those ways, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm I feel very drawn to kind of supporting leaders in that way. Yeah. In terms of the kind of coach that I am like underneath, I guess, kind of as, mm -hmm. you know, nobody ever asked this. So thanks for asking that. Um, I think I am a combination of a good listener and I'm very active. So you're going to okay. say things to me and I hear you and I'm going to be patient and listen. And then I'm going to jump in and be not too much, but I'm going to be excited to unpack it with you. Right. So I have had experiences in the past with some therapists who are a lot more sort of like quiet, take notes. Mm. And I don't, I'm, that's not the kind of support system I want as a person, but also it's really not the kind of coach I am. So I'm going right. to throw interesting things at you, but also maybe you find this too. Actually, I'm going to ask this right back to you. I'm the kind of coach depending on what my client needs. So there are some clients Absolutely. who want insulting and there are some clients who want to like cry. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I have a range. Is that true for you too? It is. It's a fine line between coaching and therapist. Um, yeah. I think they're intertwined yeah. uh, pretty deeply, honestly, even in the, um, the uh, physical and dietary coaching that, that I do. It's, mm -hmm. it's not that different than the business coaching, um, yeah. which I do less of, but um, yeah. yeah. Do you find that you you spend a lot of time teaching people how to listen? I definitely teach that in my manager training mm -hmm. course um, because what I, I I often talk about the fact that there's invisible data in mm -hmm. the air, <laughs> like you can pretend that people aren't telling you other things mm -hmm. beneath their answer, or you can listen to that. And if you listen to that, then um, you're just going to have an easier way in the world with people. So right. depending on my energy, like when you said, how's your day today? If I was like, dude, so good. Our puppy is getting trained. Like you can hear my energy underneath it. Right. Yeah. But if I was like, you know, we got a puppy, she's super cute, but she's kind of a lot like you, like right. I, it's basically the same content, but the right. energy underneath it is different. And yeah. so that's a lot of what I teach in a manager training context is, how are people talking about a puppy? You know? Got you. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, the last time we talked, you had just gotten the puppy. Oh, I recall. <laughs> probably eating everything. <laughs> yeah. So how's that going? Any better? Uh, yeah. I mean, bigger, more damage. More damage. Definitely yeah. bigger. Eating dumb stuff. Um, <laughs> but today, actually, right now, she's at puppy daycare for the first time. Ooh, nice. I know, and she was so jazzed to yeah. be there and tail wagging <laughs> off her little body it was so cute that's awesome yeah well uh so so there's that um and then you know you work for yourself and uh i don't you know i, I don't want to put words in your mouth i know you don't necessarily want to be defined by it but mm -hmm. you have survived um 
some health issues. Yep. <laughs> that is a really nice neutral way to say it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, so what was that like? No, but for real, like yeah, most people that I know, um, and, and I've known a few, and my, you know, I just lost my father to cancer, like at this point, like three months ago, two months ago. Yeah. And uh, he is a big inspiration for me in terms of uh, this whole thing, the warrior mindset, because he, I mean, he's an old school farmer, you know, like this dude's just not going to give up. And he's in the amount of like, just like shit and pain that he went through and didn't tell anyone and didn't show it for, you know, a decade is it's inspiring. Uh, you know, on one hand, it's inspiring that a human can do that. And then on the other hand, it's like, like why did you do that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so there's like a lot there, but, um, you know, surviving something like that and then running your own business at the same time. Like I, you know, I like to think I'm tough, but I, I have no idea. Like I would probably <laughs> not be doing one of the two, you know? <laughs> yeah. That is, I mean, this is a huge topic. So let me give a little context for listeners yeah. who don't happen to know me or know my story. So, um, Plucky, my business is almost 10 years old now. Oh, so thanks. Wow. in September, I know. Um, so if I take us back to 2016, yeah. um, that is how many years ago? Yeah. So it was only a couple years into doing Plucky. So it was an established business. I was absolutely running it. Um, mm -hmm. But I had just had a baby seven months earlier, my second son. And it I was having all also kinds of... a giant, like, yeah, really? Yeah. Sorry. 2016 politically, <laughs> personally was intense yeah. for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I was having a lot of symptoms that mm. we kind of wrote off as having a newborn or right. running a business and coming back from mat leave, stuff like that. Um, and the long story short is that we discovered that I had a brain tumor. Mm hmm. And it was a big one. It was like the size of a lemon and it was behind my left eye. Wow. And this was like never on the radar. So I'm sure that you or anyone listening, not only in the health sphere, but there's probably something that you're like, oh, that exists on planet earth and that'll never be in my ballpark. Well, you know? everything. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So suddenly this new identity shows up where you have a brain tumor lady and you need to have it out like pronto. Mm -hmm. So about two weeks later, I had a craniotomy um, at UCSF in San Francisco. And um, that means that I, I don't want to get too gross for everybody listening, but basically that means that they opened my head they and, it. Okay, and they made a hole in my skull and they pulled the brain tumor out from there. And then they put my face back together. Yeah. And, um, so I had, I have this big scar from ear to ear across the top of my head and um, they got it. That's the great news, right? Like knock on wood, they got it all. It was benign. Yeah. It's called a meningioma. Um, and obviously, you know, we found it on April 8th. So if you just went April 8th to May 8th of my life, like what the is happening, yeah. right? Like, oh my, it's four weeks, but it's a yeah, but... hundred lifetimes. So yeah. Yeah, it was really intense. I mean, obviously, I closed the business um, for a pause. Right. Because I'm the only person working and I was, I mean, how, yeah. engaged, you know, um, I closed it for about six months. And a lot of that was just me absorbing what just happened to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people are so 
Lovely. And when I came back to coaching in about October that year, uh, you know, they would be, my client would be like, I say, okay, what do you want to talk about today? What's going on? And they'd be like, well, I have a hard conversation to give, but, but it, I mean, it's nothing like brain surgery, but you know, and I had to give major permission. Like, it's okay. You don't need a brain tumor to have a problem. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Like people are so kind and thoughtful. Um, yeah. So in any event, right. A couple things come to mind for me about the story. So in, in the end, uh, healing happened. I was okay. I do have seizures now. So that's a whole other okay. thing to watch. I'm on meds for that. But I knew it was a very spiritual experience, actually. And I knew um, that I was going to write a book about it. Mm. And I like, like, this is, I can't remember exactly if it was right before surgery or right after surgery, but I, I felt like I got this message. You're writing a book about this and it's called, I believe in everything. So I was like, okay. So I'm a writer also on the side. And um, I took six years and I wrote the book and I finished it last April. And I was like, okay, everyone, <laughs> I did it. You can do something now. Like send me a publisher or whatever. Right. So last year, part of the reason it was hard is that I was starting to shop that book around. And that is an industry. I'm mostly in the tech industry, right? That is publishing industry is not a you know place that I know very right. well. Right. And so to get rejected twice a week for the memoir that you kind of <laughs> felt was your spiritual <laughs> invitation. Right. And they don't even read it. You know, they, they all have these ridiculous requirements, like send us 10 font, 10 pages PDF. And then this one wants 50 pages, 12 font. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And so uh, in October, I was like, I'm pulling the plug mm. on this. I mm. need a pause for mental health. And so what I just wrote down when you were asking me mm. is two things. One thing that kind of revived me at the end of last year. Ooh, yeah. Was... And I'm, I'm saying this to you and I'm so annoyed that I'm saying this to you because it's probably going to mean it's going to manifest and this is a buttload of work. But um, <laughs> but all of a sudden, the thing that gave me energy was what if I start a second business? And I wrote on this post-it, I'm starting a small press. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was so so to step back, my approach this year is going to be not to look at the big five publishers yeah. and agents to look for an indie press or a small press and should that not pan out i guess i gotta start my own press you know and that is so annoying to me um but, yeah, but you can do it i, I mean no i can't come on i also want to like you know well, walk my dog yeah well whatever I know. So, <laughs> okay but you i mean it's all done so you know exactly right but i think there's maybe you feel this too as an entrepreneur Sometimes you're like, can the thing I want just already exist? Could yeah. I just be invited to a party instead of need to hold and make the party? Oh, man. How tiring, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So uh, how we met, uh, well, I don't, geez, I don't even remember. It was a zero thing. Over 10 years ago, but um, yeah. was through events. So I used to, I used to produce, create and produce uh, conferences for this industry, the tech industry. And I still like, I still can't go to one. <laughs> so good luck. You'll never be able to read a book again. I know. Well, that's also part of what, what kind of deconstructed in my head is that I couldn't go into a bookstore without mm -hmm. seeing research. Oh, I should look and see in the back page and the acknowledgements yep. who was their agent. Da, da, da. Yep. And so it was really noisy and pressureful. And then yep. I'm a huge reader too. So like, 
even the prospect of picking up a book, it was like, can I read this fiction book for pleasure? Or should I really read like a memoir that would give me, I don't know. So it really diluted all this joy Mm -hmm. I had. And then more recently with this new stuff simmering about uh, a path I might need to pave myself, I, I also got this feeling like the brain tumor, no joke is huge, but I don't want that to be my only story. Right. Like I hope to live a very long life after this. Right. And it would be such a shame if something that happened to me when I was 35 is the rest of my life. And I do not want to be held back by that. So it also has been an invitation to diversify what I write about. So I'm in a writing class actually right now, which is not, you know, I mean, I could write about the health brain tumor, but I'm specifically not. And to be like, okay, Jen, you need to see writing as more than in service of this brain tumor story. Right. So when you're talking about your dad, I, I was, you're making me think about that too, which is that at some point we can choose, Hey, guess what? I'm tired of the storyline. It doesn't go away, but right. I would prefer to turn the volume up on something else. And I think I'm wrestling with that. And like I said, kind of getting a little bit more of a handle on it. Yeah. I- he would, you know, he would never put it in words like this just because it's not the type of man he was. But I had conversations with him, uh, you know, months before he passed. And it was obvious in the way he was saying things and talking about it. He did not want to be identified after he was gone as having died from cancer. Like, I knew that was something It was more like, you know, remember the stories, like, you know, share the stories, share, you know, the things you learned and stuff like that instead of yeah. just like this thing. And I feel that, I feel that deeply. Um, and it, you know, it's made me stop and think about it in my own life. Like, yeah, like what, like if I were to leave this earth now, right now at the end of this podcast, like what would I be remembered for? Mm -hmm. You know, what are those stories that people would tell? Um, and that's, um, that's moving. Absolutely. I feel like you have a leg up in some ways because I don't know all the details, but you have engaged on planet earth in a number of different um, ways. You have led a couple different businesses. You have led conferences and those sorts of things. So the way your network has come to you is already very diversified. And I say that also maybe for people listening to be encouraged that if you kind of have been in the same job forever, let's just say, mm. um, there might be some interesting piece to be found or the opposite of piece, like excitement, risk, you know, challenge um, by accepting another mission. I don't know how else to say it, right? Like, okay, cool. And I don't mean like side hustle necessarily because I know everybody's busy and has thin margins sometimes to do extracurriculars, but what other story would you like to diversify who you come into Mm -hmm. contact with? And I think I was telling you a minute ago that, previous to this conversation, I was recording an episode for a podcast that I'm about to launch. And I said to my um, guest, I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea who's going to listen to this. Like it could (laughs) be for sure. It will be tech people. And I was like, but it could be people that I did like a master's in French with. And it could also be like my third grade teacher. And like, there's all kinds of people on Instagram who follow me, but cousin, yeah, hundred (laughs) percent. Right. And to me, actually, that might be a reflection of what I would be remembered for eventually is a lot of different things. So maybe that's part of what we're talking about. I think so. I think that's, you know, I do. T- I'm sure you do too, and this is why I bring it up. Uh, I talk to a good bit of people that feel stuck. They feel that same mm-hmm. feeling. They feel like you know what they're doing is not uh, 
like not worthy of legacy or what they're doing is just kind of meh, you know, they're pushing the buttons, you know, all day. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, do you, do you run into that too with, with like leaders that you coach? Is that like a thing that. Yeah. So I, I think, feel it. And it yeah. could be because it's like, you know, that thing where you buy a new car and then you drive around, and you see the same type of car, you know, yes. where you're like, I'm just thinking about it. That's why I see them. But <laughs> Yeah, right now that's golden retrievers for me because yeah. we have golden retrievers. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, look, that's what she'll look like in a year. You know, <laughs> they're so big. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's recognition, and you're probably looking for confirmation in some ways right. or normalizing, right? Um, again, to go back to this manager training that I teach, a lot of what I'm teaching is normalization that the feelings or struggles you're having or joys and victories um, are not only in your head everybody has those questions. So when you leave, yeah, you have skills for sure from this class, but also you feel like you were part of a community and you're not the only one doing it. And I think that's really very powerful. The stuckness that you're talking about. Oh my gosh. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> I feel like in 2023, we are all a little COVID PTSD here. Yeah, Myself think... very much included, right? Yeah. Where like, I don't even... I'm really struggling. I'm doing a little better at it, but like to plan something more than two months out, it's yeah. like, this is going to get canceled. Yeah, this is going to go away. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> does that resonate for you? Do you have that? It does. Stuff too? Oh, yeah. it does. It does. Um, what is that? What do you think? I mean, why do you think, cause we use COVID as an, as a, I almost feel like we use it as a crutch a lot of times, but like, mm. like, why is that? Why do you think that created all the, this sort of angst for people? because you've i mean i would say i mean you've you've made it through covid mm -hmm. but you've also made it through a brain tumor mm -hmm. and while one is worse than the other <laughs> right. uh they're, they're kind of like socially maybe on the same level yeah i think the brain tumor was my own journey and right. i could go inward and i could pick it up or put it down depending on the day mm -hmm. the difference for me with covid was that it was everywhere, mm -hmm. saturated, obviously. It was, and it was a long-term thing. So brain tumor, I mean, obviously the inner processing was happening for a very long time, still does happen. Um, but with COVID, you know, in particular with COVID, I had a kindergartner and a second grader at home on Zoom school and no, working at the same yeah. time. And, you know, my husband yeah. is working. Yeah. So that the heaviness of that and just the boredom of Groundhog Day every single day yeah. can't go anywhere. That was a lot, too. I think some like if I unpack what your question means, I think there's something about risk going on here, which is. Mm hmm. I think we have been a little frozen to take risks or everybody, yeah. it was revealed that everybody has a real spectrum of what they allow risk to show up, right. Mm -hmm. Or how they allow it to show up. So, and obviously on some level I'm talking about masking, um, but there's a question of like, when do I invite risk back in and in what ways? And so um, I think some of what we're handling is, is it okay to take risks again? In, probably in all the ways, right? But the muscle memory comes back from COVID, mm. which is what was risk appropriate. And uh, that's probably dictating a lot of, I don't know, layoffs right now, I would say. And, I think so. Right? Economy stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, you've been an entrepreneur for over 10 years. Um, I see things, you know, obviously I, I pay attention to groups. I'm in these groups I'm in all these damn Slack groups and things and this is all this stuff. And everyone is constantly in, and I'm on a, let, let's just be honest. I'm on a different scale than some people's businesses. Yeah. I mean, it's like me and two other dudes. Yeah. This is not a business where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on top of 400 employees. I sure. get it. Sure. But like, we want to forecast everything. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like, we're laying, we're laying out. I see people being laid off for forecasts. They're making about the third quarter. Yep. And it's like, wow. You know, and, and maybe it's, you know, I don't know what I don't know, but it just seems you hit the nail on the head with the word risk. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like people are more sensitive to it. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And also, um, people are really afraid of conflict and they're really afraid of hard conversations. Yeah, yeah that's so, out there too. Like for these larger companies that are saying like it's performance management, I'm like, well, then you're telling me that a thousand hard conversations haven't been happening. Right. If they're all hitting on the same day, then you better get some manager training. Like, yeah. don't call me. That's probably a deeper problem that I even want to handle. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like that is a reflection to me. If it is a question about... Um, the, I don't know, the future, that's what you're talking about, right? Sort of like, where will we be in Q3? Then get on some performance improvement plans or start making choices based on performance today. But like set some precedents so that along the way you could make a more nimble decision. And you're not just right now being like, oh, I'm so scared Q3, Ah, get out of here, you know? It's like, all right, cool. We'll have the conversations today that need to get out. And then, you know, a little more patience. But I think- it's a better marketing moment right now for people to be like, gosh, everybody's having recessions. Mm. Everybody's having layoffs. We also are in the same group as Meta and Google and we're really important (laughs) in the world, you know? And I'm I'm like, I'm really being rude here, but you know, a lot of love for everybody going through it, obviously, but the business decision makers, there is almost like a magnetic pull towards this is what we're all doing now. And so to make these kind of pronouncements is anti-risk. And also there is comfort in anti-risk right now because other people are doing it. Hmm. I don't know. Don't call me an economist. I'm really not, but. (laughs) Right. Right. It's my social emotional read on the recession, Gene. (laughs) I I think, yeah, but I think there is some emotional, um, some emotional baggage that we're carrying around uh, that you know, again, we're going to just look at, you know, the economics of our business and, and use those as an excuse, I think. Um, yeah. As an entrepreneur, you have to be pretty risk tolerant. Mm. Do you find that you were risk tolerant from the start or is it something that you've just kind of like got hmm. religion with? <laughs> I never... With? I never thought I would start a business. I mean, okay. I think I just said I have a master's in French literature. Like this is, I'm like oldest of three kids. I'm like a good student. Send, I'll write my thesis, you know. Um, <laughs> that's my vibe. Then I had a baby. And yeah. when my first son was born, I went through postpartum depression. Mm. And it was a period of time, maybe three months or so, where I was like, why am I here? Like, <laughs> adding a kid to one's life really help. It, it's like a, I mean, it's hard, but it's this um, disruption where you say, what is my identity? And as yeah. a mom, a working mom, I said, 
what's my deal? Am I going to go back full-time? Am I going to go back part-time? It wasn't really a, right. an option to stay home full-time, but that invitation is there. And so then the trades start to be like, cool, if I go back full-time, is that justifying the daycare, right? Like there's all these logistics yep. and the identity evolution there. And so it started to be like, well, if I go back to full-time or part-time really doesn't matter. Like what does the job, well, how compelling does that job need to be to keep me there? And I actually really liked my job, but for the first time, I don't know where it came from, obviously somewhere very big, but I was like, what if I did my own thing? And then, yeah. I, and that's the kind of risk that I, I really never thought that I would be up for. Mm. I will also say that I didn't tell my parents until I had already quit my job. Because there are a lot of people in our lives who are so nervous about our 401ks and like, are you <laughs> sure about this? And are, are you being a little reactive? And is this postpartum depression asking? Right. And, you know, right. and my parents are awesome. But um, I think in those moments where you, where anyone listening also is, is trying to make a risk uh, choice, you should be mindful of who you invite into that conversation, if anyone. Hmm. Because there are some people who are going to want to protect you. And it's a, coming from a place of love. But frankly, I did not need one more voice of anxiety. I was right. like, oh, can I even do this? And <laughs> so, so I was like, guess what, guys? I quit my job. You know, <laughs> there was like, can't, no backsies, you know. <laughs> Too late now. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, point being, I think there was risk from day one. But that yeah. said, I did not step out of my role with no network and no instinct on what people would pay for. Um, and so right. I started there, you know, I, there's a lot of people, Oh, should I be a coach? Should I start my own coaching business. I mean, maybe, but who are you coaching and do they already want to pay you? That's a great way to not hmm. start very risky. <laughs> right. Right. Or even go get a couple that you can coach before you do that. Totally. Yeah. Pre-game. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. pre-game um yeah that that's um that's how i started mine uh you know i got like one client and then was like i'm out of here yeah what about yep. the person what did you do what what was your job before you started your own thing what'd you do i was head of employee development at an agency in new york okay so what we today might call people ops got you yeah what about what about that person who you were then can you can you look back and like mm. kind of understand that person at all? Can you, can you like look back and put yourself in those shoes? I have a yeah. hard time with that. Well, it's interesting you say that because so this is, let's see, I started plucky in 13, 2013. And then I had gotten that job that I just mentioned in 2008. So I come back from Paris with my master's in French lit and Long story very short, within a couple months, I'm like, oh, I need a job. And so a friend of mine is like, you should come work for a tech company. And I'm like, what would I what? do? Yeah. What possibly? Yeah. So I get hired there. So that was a risk in itself. Master's right. in hand. Guess I'll go work in tech, you know. Um, and so when I look back at the person that I was around 2012-ish, um, I just feel young. Yeah, I think I, I feel exciting. I mean, it was a great time. Let me be real. I met my husband at work. Uh, like we were all in New York. We were in our cool. 20s. We we're going to concerts all the time <laughs> that were Q&Aing after work with beer. You know, it's like it was so good. Right, right, right. Um, in some ways, I'm very nostalgic for that. But uh, it was all preparing me for sure. But yeah. I just feel 
young back then. And it's kind of the opposite of what I was just saying, how now I feel this identity is sticking to me that I have to be the person to start the things. That yeah. is not who I was able to be in 2010 when I could just receive the things. Um, right. That feels like a big difference. It is. It is. I, I don't remember what point it was. I used to um, think about all these people that I would go to, to, to ask for work, mm -hmm. you know, like as a, like a freelance artist or a d graphic designer or whatever. This, yeah. this is network of people that I knew had projects. And then at some point I became that person that had projects that people, yeah. and it was like, when did that happen? Like yeah. what the hell just happened? Um, yeah. But, but it's sort of like, I think it's sort of like getting older too. You know, yeah. you, yeah. you don't really realize it. <laughs> You're like, I have, yeah. crap, I got kids. What happened? Yeah. Oh, my God. I had this thought the other day that it is my parents' first time being 68. Yeah. Like, they've right. never been 68 before, too. Yeah. So when you lift your eyeballs to the, like, generation above you, like, everybody's doing it for the first time, which is actually, yep. like, terrifying and i'm like doesn't anyone know what's going on around here you know they don't, yeah oh man yeah. so you know people becoming grandparents for the first time or people retiring right. it's that's all just life work man like mm -hmm. journey stuff and yeah it can be inspiring and also some days it can feel like quick sandy yeah it's very quick sandy yeah. the reason i'm going down this road is uh there's this this idea of uh I don't know if it's an idea, but like reinventing yourself, mm. you know what I mean? And you're, you're sort of talking about it, you know, where you, you had a job, then you started your own business. Now you're, yeah. you're going to start your own press, you know, like, <laughs> but you've oh, wrote God. this book and now you're looking at this, yeah. this other thing, which is really another chapter. It could become, yeah. it could become a thing that's bigger than all the other things. Yeah. Um, how about that in terms of, the people you work with, the people that you coach, um, mm. you know, like, like I've talked to people and, you know, there's like, Hey man, I do these things, but I'm, I'm really unfulfilled with it. Mm -hmm. And we have this culture of the side hustle coming out of that. And this real, I really think that's what it boils down to is mm -hmm. like, can you re can you reinvent yourself? It doesn't necessarily mean a whole new career. It could just right. mean, like a new right. personality trait. I don't know, but like, yeah, yeah. What about that world? I mean, are you, is mm -hmm. that a thing that you see when you're coaching leaders? Yeah, I think there's a spectrum here. There are a couple people who come to mind who I coach who are the kind of people that from one day to the next, they'll be like, now I'm a vegan. <laughs> now I cut my hair off. You know, like right. this kind of, that's actually two people, two examples of the same person I could think of. Like he is very yeah. um, driven by that kind of just stark change. And, yeah. and then he takes it in, you know, whatever goes nuts yeah. with it is like totally cool. Like <laughs> um, super vegan. Uh, and then there are other people who I want to say are more maybe cemented in their story. And that's probably a more psychological assessment would need to be made. Yeah. But my observation is that they're not ready to let go of the previous story yet. Mm. And so sometimes in my work with somebody, it, I mean, it is a lot of identity evolution, right? But like, um, mm -hmm. it might be creating a soft landing for the new version, like mm. say, oh, That's well, cool. maybe you should do X, Y, Z. And then they're like, I mean, 
I mean, could I, you know, you can see. So my job as coach in that moment is an invitation forward. Yeah. And then my, if I'm a good coach, I not only say, what if this happened? I also say, what would the first step be towards that? Mm. And if I'm a great coach, then I say, you can say yes, no, or counter offer, but will you take that step by the time I talk to you? And so this is where <laughs> coaching becomes actually productive instead of right. just like, here's my feelings, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, that's my instinct is that there's fear and probably some comfort. And frankly, also sometimes it's just not the right time to reinvent yourself. I mean, sure. you know, there's a lot right. of emergencies that could be happening and it's right. just like, it is cheaper and easier for me to stay right here for a little while longer. Mm. Um, and so sometimes I would say being a coach is permission for that too. Like, oh, yeah. that's cool. Sounds like you're not ready for that disruption just yet. Yeah. But in leadership, especially um, that change, what's what's so heavy about it is it affects a lot of other people. So you can't just be like, I'm a vegan in a background, in, in, a, <laughs> right. in a vacuum, you know? Yeah, no you're cares. just like, yeah. guess what? We're, you know, God, I don't even know. We're, we're all doing EOS. And it's like, okay, boss, yeah. you know, cool. Yeah. I guess we're all having new job descriptions or whatever. Right. And so your, your decisions reverb and the evolution of your identity has way more impact, like echoes around, depending on how big your company is, right. the people around you. So there's some, you know, sometimes hesitation to really put everyone around you through it if you're not yet sure yourself. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Well, maybe I shouldn't make that big change with my vast employees. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, listen, you could probably all get them all on this call. And if you, if everybody can zoom on the same screen, then you can make your change. But you know, if you oh, have to go to screen two, interesting. sit tight, maybe. Too yeah. many people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, wow. So I, I do want to talk about this. Uh, I know I'm like ADHD brain here, but I've got, oh this, yeah. And I've used this. Um, oh, good recently in a actually on a podcast that didn't air because it got kind of you know business coachy and they didn't want to whatever so i stopped recording but but where do you i mean yeah so you've been running plucky for a while and you you've experimented in this world of creating products yeah i mean what's what's that about <laughs> i mean it's weird right like if you're like cool. on your on her tombstone also she made some packs of cards like it's what? cool though it is cool. And it is, that's probably, um, hmm, I think it connects with this concept of risk. So often in December, when I make my day of big dreaming and I plan the next year, I'm like, I am definitely not doing a new product next year. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to sell the shit I have. Right. And then it's usually about April. I'm like, hmm, I'm yeah. hearing something. Right. I'm sensing something. And the mentor pack explicitly came from last year. The fact that last year, Q1, everybody was leaving their jobs because they could and they could yeah. get like a lot of fat stacks of cash to do yeah. so. So what they wanted to talk about was decisions that their manager probably was not the right person to talk with because it would mean leaving their job. Yeah. So I had all these people sort of looking for advice or um mentors really is what they were looking for and i i just heard it so often and so it's kind of like user research sometimes my job right like i just have so many coaching sessions that i hear the same themes and sometimes side note that gets actually really creepy where the same thing will come up all week 
the same topic across many different people. And I'm like, oh, what's going what's on happening? in the universe? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Um, but anyway, so last last year, early in the year, I was hearing a lot of this kind of need. And so equally, I was hearing like, I don't know who to talk to. Like, yeah. how do I figure out how to negotiate stocks, equity, things like that? So hmm. I was like, hmm, all right. Sounds like they need a tool. And it came exactly from a similar itch, which was managers who are new at their job. And they're like, I don't know what to talk about in one-on-ones. Asking questions is something I'm good at. And right. again, teaching people to listen and hear underneath what we need to talk about is is pretty easy, I would say, for me at this point in my career. So I was like, uh, a third pack of cards. I wasn't sure, but then I was like, three is nice. Like three is a nice little set. So yeah, I was like, let me see if, if it, if I do a draft of the deck, is it worth anything? And so I got my spreadsheet out. I did a bunch of questions. Um, I passed it by some people I trust to, from a diverse perspective, I'll say. And I was like, all right, what else I got going on? I mean, yeah. it's like, I'm not going to travel. <laughs> right. It's COVID, right? Guess, guess we'll do a product. Yeah. Right. So yeah, these things come very much as a response to something I'm hearing in the world. I would say none of what I have ever made, mm, one thing maybe, but almost none of what I've ever made has been, I'm like, I have the idea to save the world. You know, it's right. not me in, in a room. It's me in reaction to what I think right. the world needs right then. Right. Yeah, that's, that's um. I, yeah, I'm sure you run across this too. How many people you talk to that's like, I'm starting a business and it's an app that does, yeah. it's like, dude, <laughs> going to need more than that. Right. I, yes. don't need to, I know you came here for a mentor and I'm the guy like busting your bubble, but uh, let's spend a little more time on this. Yeah. Or to talk about all the stuff under that. Why yeah. are you starting a business? Why yeah. that app? Um, where do you want it to go? What do you need it to make financially? <laughs> right. You know, all of these other questions, which <laughs> at face value is sometimes hard for the mentor to yeah. know what to ask or hard for the mentee to know what to ask for Yeah. other than connection. Network is pretty much the obvious thing. Hey, you're my mentor. Can you connect me to blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Uh, so I have a couple of other questions that aren't like kind of down a path, but um, there's some things that uh, some people have sent in, not specifically for you, but for uh, when I talk to people who are coaches or mentors or whatever. Oh, great. So um, what is your biggest fear in business or in life and how do you deal with it? Holy shiz. Yeah, we've got a couple um, of deep ones. I love that question. Um, I think it's a good sign that I'm not having a lot here. We've been on. talking about risk for like the past 30 minutes. I know, seriously. But I, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, let me just be frank and say, when you almost die, everything else chills out. So... That's or, that's why I asked you the question. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was very appropriate for. Yes, uh, the um, tiny anecdote I will say here is that I started that manager training. It's called "So Now You're a Manager," SNIAM for short. I started SNIAM um, a year and a half after brain surgery because I had always had it as a little idea, and I was like, "I'm not important enough to do that. <laughs> I don't know enough people to do that." And after brain surgery, I was like bring it man yeah, like screw it yeah what 
is your life about if you're not going to mess around with something? Yeah. And so it was like, what's the worst case scenario that I, I mean, and I also was not taking irresponsible risks. I wasn't like, you know, right. booking Madison square garden or whatever. Um, so it was like, okay, why am I here? Relevant. Also, what can I mess around with and try and have experiences with? So point is, is that right after brain surgery, I was definitely very fearless and I took extreme, extremely different risks, you know, yeah. uh, even the cards came after that. Like, yeah. you know, pretty much the, the business really ramped up in life. I mean, the real thing that comes to mind is my kids and that something right. would happen to them. Yeah. And there's, a lot in the news right now as there has been for a few yeah. years about tough stuff with schools and all of that mm -hmm. jazz. Um, and the way I handle that depends on the day, but yeah. as best I can, I try to revert it back to what can I see in my space here? Like yeah. within a foot or two feet around me, how can I bring kind of love and energy to that space? And I can't control the rest of it, even though some days it's really scary to send your kids to school or wherever, you know? Yeah. 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 I wonder about that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like the, the middle to end of Gen X, you know, and I think about like, you know, being sent to school and coming home, no parents at home and just kind of waiting until like six o'clock till they come home. And I yeah. think about like that life versus, you know, I want to monitor my kids. Well, my kids are older now, but I want to monitor my kids like on video while they're in the backyard playing while I'm at home. Yeah. Like that level of like worry. I, the world, the world's a scary place, but you can't let it like freeze you, you know, yeah. and you can't let it stifle your kids experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, um, I think that there's some part of me that just kind of wants them to get a little bigger. Like yeah. even high school, uh -huh. I think you're like, I can hear what you're saying more logically yeah. when they are a certain age. Yeah. It, it's, it's the young, young, young mm -hmm. where yep. like the risk and, and, you know, I'm not like insane parenting, like you can't do anything. I'm actually yeah. kind of middle ground there, but what a trip parenting is. right? Oh yeah. Well, there's there's lots of podcasts about that one. I know. Um, we'll, we'll table that. <laughs> uh, what are your beliefs about success and how do they affect your daily choices? Mm, I believe very much in reading the energy of what's ready to happen. Oh, wow. So okay. I think that there are things that will and could happen, but it's not when I say it, I mean, the world isn't ready for it. You aren't ready for it. You didn't sleep well last night, like all that kind of stuff. And success to me is not um, kind of like strong arming myself. I'm showing like my arm behind my back, right? Like not strong arming myself through something that isn't ready. Obviously there's some stuff that I have to just do because it's happening. But um, as best I can, I try to remain flexible in a lot mm. of ways so that I can read that room and read that energy and be like, you know what, this dinner is not getting cooked tonight. We're going out. Or um, I I wanted to do a thing with my kids. They're playing video games because I got to get this shit done for work or, you know, whatever. So I do much better when I have agency over some flexibility. Wow, that's cool. Um, that's a very Zen way of looking at the world. You know what? I believe in everything, Gene. <laughs> no, for real. I mean, I, I, I do know a, a lot of people um, 
I have people that are close to me that if things don't go the way that, you know, whatever little five minutes they took early that morning to make a brief about how the day was going to be, if it, the moment yeah. it starts getting off rails, it's like meltdown time, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm pissed about it when it doesn't go yeah. how I wanted, but I feel like I'm old enough now to realize that that is not useful, especially in the moment. And so to kind of just like bend to what needs to happen and then later readjust, was that too much? Did we overload it? You know, yeah. I mean, you know, it's life lived and then hopefully you incorporate that. Yeah. I, I like to think that, um, you know, in the, in this business, uh, the, one of the business, the period three, which is a, a web design company that I've mm -hmm. been running for about 25 years now, wow. me and me and my, my business partner, you know, we have projects that go off the rails for, sure. uh, you know, it's always the client's fault. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, most of the time it's my fault, but like we've, I remember distinctly, you know, he's looking at me, he's like, you know, we, we had a project that was, you know, not going well. The client yeah. wasn't happy with, you know, us not doing things fast enough or whatever it was. And he was like, look, this is when we're at our best, you know, mm. when the shit's hitting the fan, we're at our best. And I, and I remember thinking, like, we're here a lot, dude. Like, <laughs> we're at our best a lot. Like, <laughs> you know, but but I think it's also like I, I bring that up because, like, you know, I don't have a business plan, never had a business plan. It doesn't mean I don't believe in business plans, but like sometimes shit doesn't go the way you planned it. Yeah. Um, they, they call it a pivot too, like in the startup world, but like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, I think also the size company that you're describing and the size company that I'm describing, this is why I never wanted to become like 20 coaches or 30 yeah. coaches. I'm not interested in that kind of interested in that kind of growth. And I think it will handcuff me for the kind of leader I want to be, which is a leader who can read the room and pivot to use your word or be nimble or read what's going on in the planet and make a product about it. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that every person is that kind of leader, but that is myself knowledge that that is how I will be most successful. And if I'm pissed because I've got 400 people and I might need to do layoffs and there's investors yelling and I am not a happy person, you know, like I'll yeah. just go work for someone else who could handle all that stuff. Yeah. So as real. in this really strange little way, actually here, a perfect metaphor, I am myself a little indie press, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's a value I have. And, you know, again, kind of looking back, uh, all the stupid signs point you all the time <laughs> to the way. And now I realize like last year was me um, reaching for that big corporateness, you know, agent through publishing process. Yeah. Um, but it was just a beginning. It wasn't really where I authentically wanted to be. So, hmm. yeah. That's a cool word. Authenticity. Um, oh, yeah. I struggle with that, uh, that point that we're getting at with the business is like, we have a lot of conversations here and I have a lot of conversations with other people about like growth mm -hmm. versus like mm -hmm. staying where you are. And when I say growth, I mean like head count. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's a services business. So like, you know, you, you can't do more unless you have more people essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I struggle with that with, you know, and, and you tie that into like thoughts of legacy. Like what am I leaving behind? Um, you know, with this business, like if, if I go, does the business just end? Right. You know, how do I, I get it to the point where if I go, the business continues and it's like, it seems like the only way that that can work is with more people doing the mm -hmm. things I do. And then that leads to this 
same thing you just said, which is more anxiety and stress. It's like, that's a whole area of like worry that, that I think I'm okay with now just not getting into, like not worrying about it. It's so funny. Why, even as you're saying that, like, why is the word business so holy in that thought, which is yeah, right? if I die, does the business go to yeah. businesses? I don't even know what I think about this because it's a new idea based on what you just said, but the kind of like respect almost like too intensely for the concept of a business dying. Yeah. Like, yeah, a person dies, right? So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. Right. Um, but that entity, yeah. I I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting point for sure about if I die at the moment, Plucky dies, right? Mm -hmm. But I also think of it as a good example is that this Friday in a couple of days, I don't know when this thing will air, but... Um, I noticed again last week that a billion people are getting laid off. And I was like, you know what I would like to do? I would like to spend my Friday in a coachathon. So I put my Calendly together and I said, I've got, I think I have eight spots for half hour sessions free for anybody who got laid off. Wow. And I put it up on LinkedIn. And, you know, I'm booked for sure yeah, now. I bet. So that the business might die. But those are eight people. And I am not overselling here. Who knows? Probably, possibly it's just like a space for a conversation. And I don't know what they go away with. <laughs> but I have held eight people's stories that day. So if a business dies, fair enough. But just on that one day, eight people's lives maybe were a little bit altered or their energy was a little bit less drained by the end of the day yeah. when their kids came home. And so, you know, I think there's a way to see impact in a lot of ways. And a business entity.com that files taxes is one. And impact on individuals is another. And I, I think we're too stuck in the in the former. Yeah, I think so too. I, we might feel a little more acutely because we're in the like the coaching mentoring. Yeah, yeah, it's real. Kind of yeah. Where we are, but um, you know, we're not like well, if, with the exception of you making these cards and things, and we're not like making widgets necessarily. I, I wouldn't call yeah. those a widget, but. No, no, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that brings the concept of seasons of work. There was a season yeah. of my job where I was helping people make websites and all that kind of stuff. And right. I still found ways to have impact on an individual basis with clients as well as people internally. Yeah. Um, that was that was and is always like one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah, we had a I had an employee. This was Matt, at this point, like eight years ago, but he was having this like existential crisis of like, I, we don't like, we don't make anything. Like he was really on this like made in America kick. Like he wanted to buy things made in America and stuff. And he was like, we don't make anything, whatever. And I was like, bro, we make websites like for people, for businesses in America. Like, I don't know that it gets more like red blooded making things than that, you know, and <laughs> so it, it sort of like reframed his, his thought. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, we make things. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's interesting. Uh, one last question. Um, mm -hmm. What is one experience you've had that you would like to relive and why? I think about this one. I have like several. Really? What's yours? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, let me, let, me, let me set that up with saying leave out the, you know, expected answers of like, well, my children being born oh, yeah. and the day I got married. Like no one gives a I love my kids, but I would never say yeah, that. Yeah, we know that. Like, yeah. um. Yeah, an experience that I would relive is uh, my first uh, my first black belt test. Uh, 
completing that thing and having that conversation about, you know, the past like six years and then culminating in that moment and having that conversation. Mm -hmm. It was emotional, you know, um, but that's one of those things that's like, you know, that's mine, you know, Mm. and I keep that forever. I think it's interesting. The thing that comes to mind for me, I don't know what this says. We can call therapists later, but um, (laughs) so I think I just said a couple of times that I did my master's in Paris, right? Yeah. um, French lit master's. And that was a year that I spent, you know, living over there with no, I mean, I had the responsibility of going to school and yeah. writing my thesis. And I also had the responsibility of working. Like I worked as an, uh, actually a business coach teaching people oh, English. Boy. I know. Talk about flags, right? <laughs> um, but other than that, I had like no kids. I had a boyfriend, but then I broke up with him and kicked him out. And so then I was free and, you know, and <laughs> I remember, um, there, there are two things that come to mind. One was that I was out with friends. It was very late and I missed the last night bus home. So I'm on like one side of Paris and I need to walk back to my apartment. And I just walked and it took like two and a half hours, but I walked and it was so great. And I, I decided to like go. I mean, some of it, I was like, I'm not totally sure where I am, but I know I just keep going that way. And it was Paris at night. So like all the statues that you're familiar Mm -hmm. with, um, nobody ever looks at it like three in the morning. And so I was alone and I could look at these things and that was really awesome. I definitely will not forget that. And the other thing that I'm thinking of is that's cool. There's this little Island in the middle of the Seine in the middle of the city. And, um, there was one night where just, you know, when you're American in Paris and you're in French school there, you meet a lot of international people. So there was like a friend from Hungary and there's a friend from Mexico. And it was kind of like a combined picnic thing last minute. Like, Hey, you want to come eat? Okay, great. You'll bring wine. What are you going to grab? Okay. Baguettes. Okay. I'll get cheese, whatever. (laughs) And then we just, it was like, dinner time we're just like sitting on this little island hanging out and it was just it was like what i think childhood was but it was adulthood in the young way i was like 25 maybe um and those two memories are just like so relaxing i guess for me to and so if i had to relieve it you know i think it would just be like your story i think is is one of such deep pride and um yeah like time victory you know and Mine probably tells me I need a vacation. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> well, take that vacation, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, this has been a great hour. Um, I appreciate your time talking to me about this stuff. Um, we had a great conversation last time we talked. I wish I would have recorded it, but uh, mm-hmm. this is this is pretty good, too. Good stuff. No. Thanks, Gene. And, you know, every once in a while I think about this ending a podcast, but I never actually say it. But I will say... I think you are a person that people who listen to you would want to hear about. So if you ever need an inverse host, just call me. I would love to interview you. That'd be cool. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do another one in another six months. Take your time. Yeah. But yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, Yeah. I think often the hosts of podcasts, there are little parts of who you are that leak out, but you're never the full (laughs) feature, you know? Right. Right. That's, that is interesting. Yes. Uh, Yeah. We could do that. That'd be cool. Cool. And good Thank luck you, on yours. Hey, listen, everybody listening, I hope you're reserving about, let's say, 30 bucks to buy my book. Just squirrel it away. By the time the book comes out, I promise it won't be that long. So inflation hopefully hasn't made it 40 bucks. But <laughs> just put some cash away and, yeah, uh, yeah I'll tell Gene awesome. all about it. 
Yeah, man. Well, I'll be the first in line to buy it. So thank you so much, Gene. Thanks for having me. Thank you.